0: I'm Angelique Roche, and this is Marvel's Voices. I remember pretty vividly sitting down with a friend of mine who... Uh, neighbor, total geek, also a cultural journalist in the field. And she was giving me a couple recommendations for books I should be reading. And, you know, it's no secret. I've said this a lot. I love a good vampire, but I also... Man, I love a good zombie story. And my friend uh, looks at me and she goes, So... I got a book for you. And I go, what? I got a book that involves zombies and the zombies have flowers. And I was like, what? Yeah. These zombies grow flowers. You gotta read it. It's from this amazing writer named Vita Ayala. And in my mind, I was like, one, cool name. Two, zombies with flowers. I'm in. And I had an opportunity to sit down uh, with Vita and My friend, who I was just mentioning, uh, Cara Mahorn, who has actually been on Marvel Make Me a Hero, and uh, had a little bit of a chat about their background and their love of writing and their love of comics. And the next thing I know, Vida Ayala is writing an issue of Shori and is writing Prisoner X for Marvel. And is now going to be writing the brand new solo series of Morbius, the Living Vampire. And in, in particularly, I wanted to sit down with Vida Ayala because I have met a lot of pure, wholehearted, long-term comic book fans. Who have been reading comic books since they were young. But the way Vida Ayala looks at a story and dissects particular perspectives on which to tell complex introspective stories that also happen to have really good fight scenes is pretty phenomenal. This is Vida Ayala's story. <laughs> All right, so this is so this is crazy. One of the cool things about our relationship is that we met what
1: a year and a half ago, yeah, about a year and a half two years ago, and, like and
0: as soon as I met you,
1: I was like, "Oh no, this is cool people. We looked at each other and then we were like, Oh, we're going to be friends now yeah, no, it was almost like but in high school we were just like but, new 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 year, we're doing this but that's how that's how friendships work, right yeah so what was what was the moment that you
0: decided, okay, bump the selling comic books. <laughs> Why am I not selling my own comic books
1: um you know, it I wanna say that it's this like self actualization story, but in reality, uh I was working at Forbidden Planet um with a bunch of really cool folks that do comics, um, including Matthew Rosenberg and um, you know, I'd come in and write every day, uh, and he would see that I'd come in like an hour or two early and he's like, Why don't you just pitch to people? Like you know you know comics, you know that you wanna be a writer, wanting you to do it and I was like, No. No, that's okay, uh, because I had a plan, right? So one day I was going to drop my notebook and some famous like literary agent or something was going to pick it up and think I was genius and then give me a book deal, because that's how it works. Um, that's no, what I hear. That's what I hear, if the stories are to be believed. I didn't really have the confidence to do it, um, which I think is actually a pretty common story. I think it really takes someone else believing in what you do for yourself to give you the strength to be able to kind of go out into the world. Um, But he really encouraged me and he, I mean, he took me around and introduced me to editors. Um, He set up a a meeting so I could pitch to a publisher um, that was Black Mask. And, you know, people seemed to like what I had to say and I couldn't not do it. I just, I write compulsively. And so if someone's going to give me a chance, then I'm going to do it. And yeah, but... It was friends. I mean, I think friends and community are what comics have uh, in spades. And it makes me really happy to be a part of that community. You have this love of
0: supporting other artists in that same way. So I think, you know, having that be the point where you kind of jumped off and seeing that support from other people has really benefited so many other artists down the line because.
1: You you have an intern now? I do. I have an intern. He's incredible. Uh, He's an artist, and uh, given another five years, he's going to be taking over the industry. He's really incredible. Uh, He is a minor, so I'm not going to say what his name is, Uh, but just I will be signal boosting his work. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. You know, I come from a big family, and uh, being a queer person, I'm all about found family, and the one thing that you're kind of taught you know, when you have such a big family is that you have to watch out for each other. And I'm an older sibling. (laughs) So it's kind of just in my blood. But watching, you know, the people in my life, my parents, my mom, my grandmother, open their homes and their resources to people who are in need really made an impression on me. And then when I was given a chance to do it, I I couldn't do anything else. I I truly believe that like this industry is wonderful, but also very difficult. And if we're going to make it, then we have to support each other. And the hardest part, I think, is getting that first chance. Like, you will you will continue to get opportunities because of the work you put in. Getting that first chance really is just luck. And so I want to make sure that as many people as want the chance can have the chance, especially, you know, groups of people who don't normally get signal boosted. I'll put it that way.
0: I love it. I mean, and that's and that's kind of... What I love about Marvel's voices, but also like in my head now, I just have like the luck of a Puerto Rican, like in my head, <laughs> because that's that's also like one of those foundational parts of of you. Like we've we've joked about you thinking certain characters are Puerto Rican because it's of just my pers- life. <laughs> well, also it's like the perspective that you bring to stuff, right? So in all of that, like. We've talked about this incredible story of you finding the first comic book. You seeing those two characters, Storm and Bishop. It was the first time, I want to say realistic, in like form, right? Like it was the first time in, let's say, Bishop was a thick
1: boy. He was. He's a, he's a broad guy. He is a thighs for dice. Bless. <laughs> it's, it's, so I grew up in New York City. Anyone from New York is going to tell you they came from New York, right? Um, I grew up in the Lower East Side, and my experience was one that was incredibly, I hate the word diverse, but this is the only kind of instance where it makes sense, right? The population was very diverse. I grew up in a neighborhood with mostly brown people, you know, uh, a lot of Puerto Rican people, black people, Korean people, Indian people. I went to school with mostly brown people, you know, I hung out in Chinatown, which was mostly brown people. Um, and so it always like even as a little kid, it really confused me that the the ratio of brown people in media was not the same as I was seeing every day. And I I wasn't consciously looking for it. Right. I'm, I was a kid. As an adult, I can look back and go, Ah, oh, I was searching for myself. And like Hi, inside is 2020. 20. But, you know, seeing, you know, those first two comics, I, I saw three people who two of them are actually characters of color and one of them i mistook for a character of color (laughs) i mean Um, it's fine it's you know we we
0: project who we are and what we see and what we value onto media
1: yeah and it's also i having my experiences understood that people of color legitimately come in all colors and shapes and sizes and so to me the default wasn't white um and i really really connected with that because I was I was searching for it I was hungry for it you know I I grew up in a trek household too so like there were brown people kind of there there was always at least one <laughs> um thank you Nichelle Nichols Nichelle Nichols you know shout out shout out to you know LeVar Burton <laughs> oh and and you know I'm a big Klingon fan because I always saw them as space Puerto Ricans so you know wait I'm sorry
0: nope <laughs> oh, nope
1: no. okay I understand Nichelle. they're very they're very loud Uh, space Puerto Ricans they're very loud Uh, they have music that other people don't understand but is actually incredible Uh, and they're also some of the smartest people uh, in the galaxy people sleep on them because they seem aggressive but their technology is so dope that they haven't actually had to change it in over a thousand years and they incorporate other technology into their tech I'm just saying space Puerto Ricans we're innovative (laughs) you know what you never
0: want to fight a Puerto Rican you never want to fight a Klingon
1: Straight up. but super about the community right Oh, always. Always. And about tradition. About tradition. And food. And food. Wow. I see I'll be all right with the gach. Your I'm theory. <laughs> I, I see your, your theory. <laughs> I just see Puerto Ricans everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I grew up in a household that I was lucky that my mother, is. A, she's a huge nerd. Yeah. Huge nerd. And Trek was like her entry point, right? Because she was older than I was. So she understood that also the people that were playing these alien races were representing yeah, Earth races. I mean, my mom was the same way. My mom got me into Star Trek. Yeah. it's. Imp- I think we talk about representation all the time. And I think that like even mistaken representation can be really important. <laughs> you see yourself in something and suddenly you believe that you have a place. And like... You know, bringing it back to like now and to kind of signal boosting kind of voices, we are at a point where we can just have it. We don't have to be like the krill shrimp and stuff, and like <laughs> we don't we don't have to guess
0: uh, when we're looking at a Xenomorph princess anymore.
1: Right? You can just look at something and be like, ah, there are lots of different kinds of people, and the voices that are behind them are reflective of that. And I think yeah. that's really cool. But um, now you've had so Prisoner X. Yeah, I got to write Bishop. My man. I, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I cried. I cried a little bit when it was like actually confirmed and I got that first issue in the mail. I, I definitely cried.
0: So you go from having your creator-owned comic about zombies. Makes me <laughs> so happy. <laughs> and then you move on and you start, it like suddenly, and to to the outside world, suddenly. Because here's the thing. What real people know is that you are a ten-year overnight success. Period. Doesn't matter who you are. Every everyone who's ever done anything uh, incredible, unless they're ten years old. Yeah, there is this work that goes into it slowly but surely. The pitching, the writing, right. uh, the review, the editors getting back to you. This is great, but X you should work on X. Just like you were talking about your intern. It was like in five years. Yo,
1: it's a lot of work. I the <laughs> people don't understand it because comics. I think the direct market they come out monthly right so it's yeah. just like oh like it's just out it's like no months and months of work went into that specific thing and before that it was years of work to mm-hmm. get you kind of where you were um yeah it's wild it's real wild so then you so
0: so what has it been like being able to play in the playground that basically your mind was in as a kid
1: I it was so wild when I was a little kid my imaginary friend was storm <laughs> like straight up, <laughs> like, but like nineties X-Men, like, like that storm. <laughs> um, would I, you, would you like her to join the conversation? Oh my God. I don't make me do voices. I'll do them. I mean, um, <laughs> so storm was, was your best friend. was my imaginary friend. Um, and to be able to kind of use the connection that I've had with these characters for most of my life. Um, and what a life it has been. What a life. Uh, and and talk about some of the things that I find important through them has been really incredible. I think that, you know, all all stories that really connect with people have something to say. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying like an agenda. What I'm saying is that like you are using these characters to examine something about the human condition or the mutant condition, as it were. Um, and to be able to do it with a character like Bishop, who I've connected to since I was I don't know, seven, eight years old, uh, was really something special. Uh, He's very singular to me, not just because he was one of my first comic characters, but because of what his character has been through. And I really wanted to examine that and then talk about kind of the larger context of what it means to be someone like him. Even within a mutant community, he's very isolated and very different. You
0: being from New York, Afro-Latinx, Puerto Rican, gender non-binary, LGBTQ—that brings a different perspective to how you look at characters, but also what characteristics in a character that right. that just are guiding lights on the the dimension of how a story is told. Yeah. For you, how has that impacted your work? But also, like, how does that impact the worlds that you create?
1: I think when when I'm talking or when I'm working rather within kind of franchise stuff, work for hire stuff, um, first of all, I want to back up and say that, like, I think everyone's interpretation of a character is valid. Right. Like you said, your own perspective informs what of their characteristics you find important for telling your story. Um, But that's kind of what I start with when I'm doing work for hire stuff. I really look at the character and go, what is it about them? That draws me to them. Um, and that can be any character. I mean, there's there's always something interesting about a character. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, um, I think my sensibilities, because they are mine, are unique. And I try and really play on that. I, I don't want to tell, you know, a story the way someone else would. I want to tell a story the way I would and show why I really love this character or hate them. <laughs> Right, you don't have to like all the characters. Wait, are you saying that
0: you've written characters that you hate?
1: Absolutely, (laughs) not (laughs) naming names, but absolutely. Um, but also, I've, I you know, I look at a character maybe that is usually used in one way and go, No, there's something more here, right? There's something to this character that makes them right for this story. Let's find it. Um, and I, as an individual, have certain sensibilities. I, I like character driven stuff, I like stuff where people. Get introspective. They're still punching and stuff, all right? Like, I'm still I a comic mean, person at the end of the day. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Morbius in a second because we had that conversation about there's
0: going to be lots of self-discovery, but also fights.
1: Yeah, there's going to be fights. Morbius is also just like, I'm a big vampire person. Sorry. I'm also a big zombie person. <laughs> it's, but look, I started, reading, I started
0: reading Anne Rice when I was 10 years old. Oh, same. Much like you picked up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I... Michael Crichton, Anne Rice, Robin Cook, all of
1: those things. Oh, yeah. yes. I, I had a Laurel K. Hamilton problem in, <laughs> in high school. So, Oh, you know, wait. You oh, meant, yeah. Oh, Anita Blake? I, that was my first fanfic. It wasn't my first fanfic because that was Xena, but like also pretty close.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow.
1: Uh, so Vampires Me go way back. So more do know in particular. that Laura, Laurel K. Hamilton has a Marvel comic. Guilty Pleasures was made into a comic book. I remember selling it. I remember... I was still working at the shop when it was I, coming out. I have the first... <laughs> if it's signed? Seven. I do not have them signed, but I have, the, I have... I don't know. It wasn't... I got some real nice variant covers. I oh, the variant got like, covers was are was it, amazing. Is it a Greg Land, maybe? Yeah. Of her with the, like, all of the... It, Where we're she's, like, flying through the air with the... <laughs> She has the stake and all of the like, like a cross and a yep, like I have sickle that one. and like oh mm-hmm. yeah, yep. yeah that's dope. Anyway, sorry, getting off off topic. Um, but you were <laughs>
0: but you were talking about um, vampire. You were talking about how uh, it was to oh right how, your perspective on how you write different characters right.
1: And, and so for me, every story is going to be looking at kind of a larger question that I have, and we're going to use the characters to explore that question or that point of view um and with a main character I really like to dig as deep as I can into them and and what makes them tick um and I think everyone does I'm not saying that that's special about me I just I can't explain what it is that I see in characters that's different than other people but I think my perspective makes me connect with different things um yeah. in a character like Morbius for example um to me what makes Morbius interesting is that his own, not just hubris, but his own fear and desperation.
0: What were the things for you when you got this opportunity to write Bishop that you felt like had to exist both within Bishop as a character, but also within the storyline?
1: You know, I wanted to talk about why it is that someone like Bishop would be going to jail, right? Mm. Um, I wanted to talk about the different consequences that people face for the same action. I wanted to talk about how that feels from his perspective, right? Cause we talk about those issues all the time and we can talk about, you know, treating people fairly and justice and all this stuff, but what does it feel like? How, like that helpless lonely feeling is something I really wanted to talk about. Um, I said this on a, on a panel, I think at Emerald city, but to me, mutants and X-Men, um, one of the things that I think are fundamental to them, uh, and that, one of the things that works in their metaphor is loneliness. They are all like there's this feeling of other that is so isolating that even amongst each other, they're they're so desperate for like connection, you know. Um, and the, in in Prisoner X, I think it's the third page of issue one. Herman Peralta, who is a genius, forever a genius, incredible artist. Um, you know, I I described a splash page of Bishop being put into his cell. I thought it was really important to start. I'm showing you that you've put this man in a cage. This is what you've done to a person who even, you know, even non-reasonable people would say that that's, this is not why you put someone in jail. (laughs) Um, And I wanted to show how that made him feel. And I was like, he looks lonely and scared, but also he's done this before. And Herman came back with like the thunder. And I was like, this is, this is the center of this story this feeling and why it's not okay and why he shouldn't have to go through this alone. Um, and then I think the rest of it was kind of building on that. Um, I try very hard to, in in a first issue, put that center of the story in there with the character that I want to explore it with. And so, yeah, with Bishop, it was this loneliness and isolation, but this also like, yep, I've done this before. This has happened over and over again. Mm. Not to get too real. <laughs>
0: So if you haven't read Prisoner X, you <laughs> need to go read it and I need to go reread it with that perspective. Because I think that is understanding the artist's perspective is such an incredible space, particularly when you're dealing with legacy characters. But we we both grew up with this romanticization of vampires, which is such, yes. a, it's such a weird thing, right? Because like before you've got these old black and white films. Yeah, Nosferatu and like... A- yeah, such a good film. But also like...
1: There is this, it's it the vampire is a monster. Right? You know what? I, I won't go too deep into vampire stuff because that's not what this podcast is about. But I will say even there, the idea of this romanticization is is seated, right? So he is mm. still a noble. He's yeah. a rich old man. He is <laughs> so he, he looks is monstrous, but like we are seeing what it is that mm. this weird kind of like being above other people in society does to you. Um, yeah,
0: I mean there is, there is, and and that's that's actually yeah, we really. there's a longer conversation. Yeah, we, we I could talk about, about this forever. I won't do it here. Well, and, and <laughs> if, when you and you get this evolution, even when you look at you know Anne Rice's work, or you right. look at Matheson's work, because people right. Right, 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 right. assume that Matheson's "I Am Legend" is about zombies, no, and it's, it's not. It's no. about vampires, and this concept. Even in that book, there was a humanization yes. of the vampires. In fact, that man ended up being the enemy. And so there's this evolution of what vampires are and who vampires Thanks, Anne Rice, for making them like this beautiful, <laughs> not yet sparkly uh, concept. But then you have Morbius,
1: the living vampire, <laughs> which is
0: it. a very different concept.
1: Yes. I, I think... What sets him apart from other vampires is that he is truly the master of his own destruction. You know, uh, I, I started to because say because everybody else it's like it's it's this twist of fate. It's this it's done um, to you. It's a
0: curse. It's 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 something you know something that I was walking down the street one day and someone
1: yeah did this right exactly. And it's that's about I think that like the more traditional vampire stories are well they're about fear, but they're about fear of someone else. And I think Morbius' story is fear of what you are um, and the, the ways that you twist yourself in order to escape, quote unquote, your fate um, and how you make yourself more monstrous by doing that. Um, I approached his story in particular looking at like, th- this man is like, it's like a Sisyphean task. He just keeps pushing this boulder up the hill and then it falls down again, right? He, he has a disease a blood disease, I believe. Ha <laughs> vampire. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is slowly killing him. And, mm-hmm. and he's always in pain, right? So he has chronic pain. And he has dedicated his entire life to, to curing himself, not people, not alleviating suffering of others, right? But finding a cure for himself. And then he thinks he does. But what he has done is truly make himself monstrous, right? Because mm-hmm. he is... I love him. I do. He started from a very selfish place. He started from a place of we need to do it. I don't care about what the consequences are. That's literally his origin. Um, and so in this story, what does it mean? How, he hasn't changed that mindset, right? He's always chasing this cure and he's willing to do bonkers science to get there, right? What does that mean now? What does that look like now? Mm. Um, and so that's kind of like the heart of it.
0: So what can folks who are going to be picking up Morbius in a couple of weeks expect from this new book?
1: We we start with Morbius making uh, ostensibly the same mistake again, right? So he, he is now so desperate. He has no resources anymore, right? All of his money is gone. He's been living essentially homeless in Brownsville, which is in Brooklyn, not in Manhattan. Yeah, I was about uh, to say, we, we put him in <laughs> Brownsville, Brooklyn. Yeah. That is a thing. That is a thing. It's nice. I live in Brooklyn. I'm from New York City. I know the locations. It feels very homey to me. Um, But he is kind of already at the bottom. And he, instead of trying to figure out how to be who he is and make the best of it, and not in the lake, woo-woo kind of way, but in literally, like, how do I become a good person and, and still continue to function? He's like, nope, nope, digging it deeper. <laughs> and so he's been gathering supplies from other places, like, just ransacking other labs to get supplies, and he's going to fix himself. <laughs> uh, it does not go well for him. Um, this is a story about learning what's important, It's a story about facing the consequences of what you have done in order to self-actualize. So that's another thing I think is really kind of central to Morbius is that all of this is in pursuit of something for himself. And who gets hurt along the way? Well, in his origin, he literally kills and eats his best friend. Who has also spent his entire life trying to cure Morbius, right? These are consequences. And like, you know, we see him sad about it. We see him regretful, but he continues to do these things and so this is a story about reckoning with that this is a story about what it means to realize that maybe whatever this cure this thing that you're chasing is is not worth it Mm -hmm. um it's about science vampires (laughs) yo the, the whole concept of the fact that he is a
0: science vampire and not like I got bitten by Dracula vampire. Also I love within it within the Marvel universe. Let's be real. There Dude, Dracula's are real? Dracula is real. Dracula is real in the Marvel universe. We got Blade. My man. We've got <laughs> vampires in the Spider Verse. There is a lot of different types of vampires in the Marvel universe, which makes me oh so happy.
1: I think that Morbius is fun too because science is all about replicating results. Right.
0: And insanity is all about doing the same thing over and over again. So I guess expecting different insanity. results. Um, I mean,
1: I didn't say it. You did. <laughs> but that I always would look at Morbius and go, when is someone else going to try this? What's going on? Like, why is no one? You got all these science bad guys. Why has no one else tried this? That's so much power. All right. Quick fire round. You ready? Let's do it. All right. What is your
0: actual superpower?
1: My actual superpower, I'm uh, – <laughs> that one I can't say aloud. Uh What is my actual superpower? I'm very, very, very good with kids, pets, and parents.
0: Oh. Yeah. That is that is a very good superpower.
1: If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, I would probably oh, – healing factor because my back hurts all the time. No. Uh, <laughs> I'd want to be a shapeshifter.
0: Ooh. Yeah. I like it. All right. Who is your – favorite marvel superhero
1: my favorite superhero my favorite marvel superhero oh don't do this to me uh it changes it changes depending on what i need um yeah right now uh i think my favorite uh if we're talking in the movies it's it's captain marvel i'm waiting on monica uh (laughs) uh, but in terms of the comics. I like underdog stuff. I like I like the X Men. I like the X Men a lot. Um I've always loved Mystique. Uh she's not necessarily a superhero, but she might be the one we need. I mean Um Black Widow. I'm I've always been a big Black Widow fan. Uh she's got a lot of like angst, which I'm super into. I mean she's she's got a lot of reason to be angry
0: and a lot of yeah. motivation to do good.
1: But also, let's be real, I love my kids. Miles Morales and Kamala Khan are my children and I love them very much and like if I had to absolutely only pick like one or two, they would they would be it. They're yeah. they're such good babies.
0: Oh, that's how I feel about Moon Girl. Yes, that's yes. the one cosplay Science. I think is gonna happen. I'm just oh, letting so everyone good. know. Um, what is on your playlist today?
1: Oh dang, I turned off my phone. I'm listening. I'm listening to the Morbius playlist that I made on Loop. Um, but there's also uh, I made uh one for another book that is not announced that I've been listening to on loop which I'll tell you off Mike
0: The thing that I love about you and your writing is you have a playlist for every single book that you write which I think is pretty amazing <laughs> and I also get really excited when you share the playlist posthumously so like after you're like okay I'm done writing here's the playlist mm-hmm. you should listen to it this was it, and it, it's great
1: I do Uh, it again oh I my quarter killer playlist Uh, that is a book that was just announced it's a creator own book I'm co-writing with Danny Lohr and uh, co-created with Jamie Jones and there's like a playlist that's like four hours long it's like hip hop cyberpunk kind of like pop
0: my question is how long do you take creating
1: the playlist to get there oh uh, I give it as much time as it needs I'm I love that's like my self care (laughs) Uh me and Teeny Howard and Leah Williams will share like playlists and like songs and stuff and help like curate. So that's what we do. I just got said it because you said Teeny. I love Teeny. And Leah. So uh much. Teeny actually got you a gift. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I your y'all 's relationship is everything
1: that i I know and love in the world um we 're in an arms race of gift giving. Uh, I got her one at Flamecon this past weekend as well she got you she got you a very apropos gift
0: uh, <laughs> with the announcement of Morbius right the deep v <laughs> so so teeny Howard, uh, who also writes amazing amazing mm-hmm. amazing things here at Marvel, who was also on Marvel live mm-hmm. uh earlier uh in the season. Gave you how tall is this Morbius? He's like a he's like one of he's like a normal size. He's a normal size collectible. Yes, we'll, we'll collectible. call it a collectible. Yeah, six uh, inch.
1: I think I'm six inch, seven inch. I don't. know. So now
0: you have Morbius looking over you as yeah. you write this book. I'm super stoked. All I'm right, what did you get, stoked. Teeny? Though
1: I got I got her a, a Gamora print, and it says sisters, and I think it's sisters in arms. Um, and then I got Leah a pin as well.
0: I love this. This makes me so happy. I want you all on a show. Uh, so, a uh, last question, very important question: um, What does storytelling mean to you?
1: Uh, storytelling to me is magic. It is some of the oldest form of magic that we have. This is a connection that we can share with people who are long gone and who are not here yet. Um, to me, storytelling is community. Um, I come from pretty big oral tradition. Uh, Puerto songs. <laughs> Our lives are musicals. Um, and I don't think that we would have progressed as a civilization without stories. But I also don't think that we would be as capable of empathy without stories. And so to me, storytelling is family and warmth and empathy. Yeah, My heart. <laughs> My heart is sparkling. Thank you. Thank you. This has been fun.
0: yes thank you so much Vita for coming in I know life is very crazy because you are in the midst of still finishing up so many issues I don't know how many issues they wouldn't tell me how many issues you'll just have to find out how many issues because Morbius the living vampire is coming out very 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 soon like should be dropping within I'm looking at my audio producer like November that's the month no, seriously, I knew that. I'm very excited. Uh, I love a good flawed character, and it sounds like Morbius is going to be just that. Uh, thank you for listening in for this episode of marvel's voices and make sure you're checking back for some bonus clips that are coming out if you haven't been checking out uh marvel's voices also has video bonus clips that you can check out on youtube as well as over all of marvel's uh social media platforms facebook and twitter with some of the incredible creatives that we've had a chance to have on the show and there will be one coming out for vita in the next couple weeks so that being said thanks for listening and we'll see you next time